Happy Thursday and welcome back to another hopefully thrilling episode of the Into the Night Minute, a show where each week we've been having teams of Movies by Minute hosts talk about uh, a very little known but still funny uh, 1985 John Landis comedy, the movie Into the Night. I'm your host this week, Jim O'Kane from the Airport Minute, the Apollo 13 Minute, and the Rocketeer Minute. And uh, today I'm going solo, so uh, you'll be hearing a lot of me, uh, but we'll also have uh, kind of a guest by tape or by... I don't know, whatever this is, by MP3. Uh, uh, we'll be having somebody else later on in the show. Uh, right now we're talking about Minute 109, which uh, begins with uh, Ed Oaken, the way he began, the way we first met him. He's laying in bed with his arms folded behind his head, uh, looking up at the ceiling and uh, kind of falling asleep, or trying to. And uh, it ends with Ed waking up to the sound of a jet noise and a wonder of where is Diana. So we've already gotten past the uh, the denouement, the, the climax of the movie. Uh, Ed and Diana are safe. D- uh, Diana has a bunch of money, and uh, so does Ed, apparently. And uh, they've been rescued from the clutches of uh, Shaheen and her evil Savak agents. And uh, the agents have left, so they're all on their own, the 24 hours. And uh, it looks like Ed has actually conquered his insomnia. So generally things are good. But uh, there's still a couple more minutes to this movie. And uh, we've left everything else behind. The only thing left is the story between Ed and Diana. Where do they sit? Where, uh, how are they related to each other? What, what is the relationship now that all the, uh, the drama is over? And uh, we don't get that resolution uh, in this minute. And we probably don't get much of it in the next minute. We're going to have to see some more about that. Um, an interesting thing to think about, well, before we go into next week's uh, shows is uh, if you were going to write this show, if you were Ron Coslow or if you were John Landis, how would you finish uh, this movie? Think about where everything is. I mean, you've got three quarters of a million dollars, you've got Ed, you've got Diana, and you know their combined paths are quite different. Uh, Ed still has Ellen. Diana has uh, nobody, unless you want to count Jack Caper, who's not long for this world. Um, but where do you put them? Where? What do they do next? So uh, that's... That's the story problem that Landis and Ron Coslow were facing as they were dealing with the end of this film. And uh, I don't know how you feel about the end of this film. Um, I I don't want to get too far ahead here because we've got another week to go. And we're going to have some more guests uh, next week to talk about it. But uh, to me, I was kind of dissatisfied. I thought there there could be another couple of ways to end this film. And... uh, the, the what's going to be coming up I really I don't agree with it was kind of, it seemed to me a, a rather abrupt end but we're we're not there yet we'll, we'll talk about that some more next week uh, one of the things I'd like to go through on this move on this movie in this particular minute is uh, some fantastic cinematography work uh, by uh, the the cinematographer uh, Robert Bob Painter Bob Painter was the cinematographer of this film a very close friend of uh, John Landis who worked on um, previous movies, including Trading Places and Animal House. And he knew he knew how to frame a scene and, and light a scene uh, very well. And this particular minute has a great image, which you'll see on our website at nightminute.com for Minute 109, a beautiful portrait of Diana as she's looking at Ed while he's sleeping. And uh, that could really go on a magazine cover. Very similar, you know, in looking at that, she's back to the girl she was, in the uh, scrapbook at Charlie's apartment, she is definitely a model. She's just gorgeous in that in that scene. Uh, all the tension's gone out of her face. 
and uh, Robert Painter really uh, brings out the best in her in that image. And even uh, there's a reverse shot uh, following that one with Jeff Goldblum, who hasn't shaved in a couple of days, uh, still kind of scruffy, but perfectly lit and, uh, and just a great looking guy uh, fast asleep on his bed. Uh, and, and it's just a beautiful thing. Uh, one of the parts that uh, I enjoyed about watching this on the new Blu-ray release by Shout Factory is the, uh, the bonus features that are available on the Blu-ray. And uh, I really strongly suggest that if you haven't, if you haven't, do go out and get a copy of the Blu-ray because they do have, they do sell this online on Amazon Prime, but it doesn't really carry the extra features that are available on the you know, on the hardware version of it. The actual, you know, only a physical disc. There's a lot more things. Um, I'm going to play a brief clip, and under fair use laws, this is just a brief clip, so you're not going to hear the whole thing. But I'd like you to hear uh, from the director himself how he picked um, Michelle Pfeiffer, and uh, surprisingly, she was not the first choice. And well, for that matter, Jeff Goldblum was. But we'll talk about more of that tomorrow. But when you watch uh, when you watch the movie, just think there were other people that could have played that role. And uh, let's listen to how he picked Michelle and uh, why she was almost perfect for the role, and how he really did. Well, I don't want to give away. L listen to listen to John Landis, and I'll just shut up for a while. The movie I made before this was Trading Places. So I had Jamie Lee Curtis, I'd given the script. And Jamie, after Trading Places, was now very hot. And she agreed to do the script, and she would have been great. And then, oh, eight weeks or so before filming, maybe six weeks before filming, she calls me up and she says, John, don't be mad at me. What? Well, she took perfect. Now, you got to remember, John Travolta was coming off of Urban Cowboy in Greece. I mean, he was a huge star. And they offered her a great deal of money, more than Universal would have paid her. So I said, okay. <laughs> you know, so she went and did perfect. And I had to find the girl. And it was really hard, because you this girl is so in, integral to the core strength of the film. And there was an agent named Ed Lamato. And Ed Lamato had Michelle Pfeiffer as his client. He also had Tom Berenger. And he had the script because I'd off, you know, they'd sent it to Tom. And uh, he started calling me, Michelle Pfeiffer's the girl. Michelle Pfeiffer's the girl. You gotta meet Michelle Pfeiffer. So I said, Michelle Pfeiffer, all I knew her was there was a very bad and short-lived TV series based on Animal House called Delta House. And Michelle was the blonde. In that, and that's pretty much all I knew her from. And I thought, and uh, Ed Lamotta would call me. I think in my whole career, he's the only agent who really got his client apart, because he just hounded me, and he said, "Have you seen Scarface?" And I said, "Yeah." Is that Michelle? He goes, "Watch it again." So I watched Scarface. Now in Scarface, she plays a bitch. She plays a junkie. She plays a hooker, basically. And she's unpleasant and unhappy in it. And so thin that you worry about her health, you know? And I thought, well, that's not who this girl is. Diana's got to be just delicious as soon as you see her and obviously sympathetic. So I thought, nah, nah. Ned Lamotta keeps saying, would you meet her? She'll read for you. Would you meet? So finally, I said yes, and she came in. And first of all, she didn't look like the girl from Scarface. She looked healthy. <laughs> and she was 
beautiful. And what's interesting about Michelle, the camera loved her face. It's one thing about Into the Night. I really believe that that Lady Hawk is where she looks her most beautiful. And Bob Painter, my DP, was so happy shooting her, and he took care, and she, there's some shots of her in that movie. The shot when, after her shower, when uh, Ed's asleep, and she looks at him, and there's a close-up, gorgeous. So she read, and she was terrific. She was really terrific. I mean, I really was surprised, and thought, well, I'm wrong, okay. So that's where, uh, where we left it off with, uh, with Landis. Uh, picking Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, I think she was a great choice. I can't imagine. I mean, I could imagine Jamie Lee Curtis doing it, but I think she might have overplayed it, kind of like the way she acted in uh, Trading Places, and I think that was a little bit too broad for this movie. I think if she had brought the same character over that she had been playing in Trading Places, I don't think it would have worked as well. Um, but this is the way things turned out, and I think Michelle uh, did an adequate job, and you know, this first time that she was name above the titles, I think that made her career for her later on. So even though this movie wasn't a success in the U.S. like it was in Europe, I think this was the uh, the setting out point. I mean, even far beyond Greece too. Uh, I think this is the movie that made Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, this is going to be a short episode uh, today, but we will be back tomorrow to talk a little bit more uh, as the story progresses or as we're winding up these uh, uh, these last few episodes. Uh, but tomorrow we'll talk a little bit more about Jeff Goldblum and his role in getting his part here. Uh, but uh, thank you for being a part of all this uh, as, as we're winding down these, these last two weeks. Uh, if you'd like to leave some ideas on how you think the story should end, always happy to hear from you on the uh, social media over in uh, on Facebook at The King Lives Listener's Limo. Uh, you can find us there and uh, also on Twitter at Night Minute. Uh, also, if you haven't listened to any of the previous episodes, you've got 109 minutes of catching up to do so. Go out to our main site, nightminute.com, and you can pull down any of the previous episodes. And uh, if you're not keen on getting one at a time at the, on the web, you can go to any of our podcast catchers, such as uh, uh, I, uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Play. And they're all out there and we'll be having them out there for quite some time. So uh, download the previous ones. These are great to binge cross country with so many different hosts, giving a kind of a sampler of the Movies by Minutes group. Anyway, we'll talk to you more about this tomorrow. Uh, sorry for the short episode, but tomorrow should be much longer. We'll see you again tomorrow on the Into the Night Minute. Do we thank you or what? I'd say I fall in the or what category. 